I'm sports attorney Luke Fedlam, and welcome to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Each conversation, we focus on sharing information and having conversations around how athletes can best educate and protect themselves for their life outside of their sports. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I'm your host, Luke Fedlam, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who join us and listen in to the podcast on a regular basis. If you're just checking it out for the first time, hopefully you enjoy. But I'd also ask that you would take time to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. It comes out every Wednesday morning, a new episode. So you can uh, make sure that if you subscribe, you'll get those every week that they come out. And also, if, uh, if you enjoy the content, please do feel free to write a review, leave a comment in whatever platform you use for your podcast listening. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And as always, you can reach out to me at Luke Fedlam on most social media platforms, or you can go to our website, porterwright.com, and find out how to get in touch with me if there are certain topics that you think that we should discuss. So with the housekeeping out of the way, I am excited today to be able to share with you just some of my thoughts. This is a little bit different. Usually I have guests on my podcast, but I've gotten a lot of questions from various folks around name, image, and likeness. And as many of you know, uh, that's an area that I spend quite a bit of time in. And so I just wanted to to take about 10, 15 minutes today just to share with you some of my thoughts on kind of the state of affairs as it relates to name, image, and likeness. So you're stuck with just me today, but hopefully it'll uh, it'll be well worth your time. So for those who are just new to what name, image, and likeness is, and, and you may hear me refer to it as NIL, N-I-L, Either way, same thing we're talking about here, but one of the first things we should probably discuss is kind of what is it, right? What is name, image, and likeness? And really the the term is, it's made up of these three elements that go into this legal concept known as a right of publicity, right? And it's the rights that an individual has. Um, Obviously your name is your name, your image is just that, it's an image of you, and a likeness is, let's just call it maybe it's a, uh, an image that is modified in an artistic way, uh, but yet it's still clearly identifiable as you. So that's what name, image, and likeness, um, what the core components of name, image, and likeness are. But it's really taken on a whole new meaning in this national conversation recently as there have been recommendations to make changes to NCAA rules to allow student-athletes to be compensated for the use of their name, image, and likeness. Now, this was something that really was driven by state law. So California had a law that was a bill that was signed into law by their governor. It was Bill 206, and it really basically set the foundation that said that student athletes uh, should be able to be compensated for the commercialization and licensing of their name, image, and likeness. This law is scheduled to go into effect in 2023, so a bit down the road, but that really was the first, I guess, piece of legislation that really forced the NCAA into having to act. If obviously, if you have one state and the schools or even certain schools within one state having the ability where student athletes can be compensated from a fairness competition perspective, obviously the NCAA is kind of forced into making some form of overall strategy as it relates to name, image, and likeness. So after California moved, many other states started moving as well, um, most notably Florida. Now, Florida has as well passed a name, image, and likeness 
piece of legislation, and that uh, law is scheduled to go into effect July 1st of 2021. So we're talking about 10 months or so from now. And what that's caused is an immediate need for the NCAA to act and to move and to put in new rules uh, that can go into effect prior to that law taking effect in the summer of next year, 2021. So Colorado also has moved, and there are numerous other states that have pending legislation going through their lawmaking procedures uh, within each state. So that kind of tells you a little bit of background and basis as to where we're at currently. But one of the questions that I also receive from, from folks is, when you listen to media talk about name, image, and likeness, oftentimes it could lead a listener to believe that these rules are now already in place. They have heard that these laws have been signed, and so the thought is that they were instantly made to go into effect, and that's, that's just not the case. So, so what we know is that under the current regime with the NCAA, student-athletes are still not authorized or allowed to commercialize their name, image, and likeness. This will really take effect once the NCAA rules go into effect or when state law goes into effect, whichever comes first. Now, obviously, the NCAA is pushing to make sure that that comes first from their end, and they're going to need some help as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like. So that's where things kind of stand. But let's let's dig into kind of some of these recommendations and what this looks like, you know, from the different stakeholder groups. So first, the NCAA had a working group, and this working group was really set up to provide recommendations to the NCAA regarding name, image, and likeness. What those recommendations looked like were that student athletes would be able to receive compensation for third-party endorsements, but the schools and the conferences would not be able or authorized to be able to be involved. There would also be compensation available for student athletes as it related to opportunities that those student athletes went after in social media, new businesses and entrepreneurship, personal appearances, camps, clinics, speaking engagements, and more. Again, this is without schools or conferences being able to be involved. Now, the working group wanted to provide some guardrails to this as well. And so some of those guardrails uh, included the fact that they were very emphatic that schools should not pay student athletes for name, image, and likeness opportunities. They didn't want any of these name, image, and likeness opportunities to be tied to recruiting for both schools and for boosters of those schools as well. And they also want to make sure that they regulate agents and advisors. Because if you can imagine, um, there are going to be some athletes who will want an agent to go out and find them marketing opportunities, endorsement deals, or relationships with brands. And so the NCAA working group wanted to ensure that there were some guardrails in place to make there be some oversight of those agents or advisors working with student athletes. So this was the working group's recommendations to the NCAA as the NCAA legislative body starts to look at what these rules are actually uh, going to say and look like when they get voted on by the Board of Governors. Now, the NCAA also went to Congress and has been lobbying Congress and working uh, with Congress, seeking some very specific protections. One is that the NCAA really wants the federal government to take action to preempt various state legislation on name, image, and likeness. So the NCAA 
doesn't want to have 50 different states with 50 different laws and legislation in, in effect for name, image, and likeness. And they wanted to make sure that the federal government come up with preemption for providing protection to the NCAA. Also along those lines, as it relates to protection, they were looking for, are looking for a safe harbor to protect the NCAA from any type of lawsuits filed against the NCAA in this name, image, and likeness space. And finally, they're really looking for this idea in the having Congress really safeguard the non-employment status of student athletes, right? So obviously, if student athletes somehow now start to be considered employees of their universities, that leads to a, it just opens up an entire uh, new area that has to be dealt with as it relates to the relationship between schools and student athletes. And so they wanted to make sure that they safeguarded this non-employment status of, of student athletes. So that again was and is what the NCAA has been working with Congress to try to put into place. Congress hasn't acted, uh, but one of the things that came out recently that Congress has done is there's a small group within Congress, um, a group of 10 senators um, who have come together to draft what has become known as this proposed student-athlete Bill of Rights. Um, and, and in this instance, what they have said, and this has been um, there's, like I said, you know, 10 different senators. I believe it's nine uh, Democratic senators and one independent. What they've said is that they want this uh, student athlete bill of rights to be included in any legislation around name, image and likeness that goes forward or comes out of Congress. Right. And so what they've talked about is this idea of fair and equitable compensation where they authorize athletes to enter into all types of revenue producing opportunities, including, and this is where it becomes different, um, including deals with athletic associations, conferences, and schools. They want to be able to develop uh, health, safety, and wellness standards. They want to be able to improve educational opportunities where student athletes can have lifetime scholarships so that if they leave school, um, let's say, to potentially go and play professionally or pursue other opportunities and want to come back to school, that they'll still have the ability to do that. That there's comprehensive health care coverage where their out-of-pocket expenses uh, for student athletes based on health issues uh, will be covered. That there will be freedom of university choice that would eliminate these restrictions on transferring from the uh, student athletes and that there would be an oversight commission to oversee all of this. So again, this is what the what the federal government's they have a task force on these student athlete rights. This is this proposed bill of rights that has come out from Congress. Now, the last thing to kind of get everybody up to speed on where we're at, and I know this is a lot, but I wanted to really make this clear so that people know who is saying what because there's so much information out there. But the last piece is what the Power Five conferences have said to Congress and what their proposed name, image, and likeness kind of regime would look like. Now, again, this is going to be different, a little bit different than what the working group proposed to the NCAA, the Power Five have come out with their own kind of plan. So Power Five, you know, for those of you who don't know, is made up of the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the uh, SEC. And so what they've proposed is that athletes can license their name, image, and likeness, but 
similar to the working group. It can't be used to recruit players to a particular school by the schools or by boosters. What they have also said, though, is that student athletes would not be able to do any deals leveraging or commercializing their name, image, and likeness until after they've completed one semester of college. Now, this is really interesting because when you start to think about college basketball players, basketball players who maybe go one and done, they're really only on campus for a little bit over one semester. But nevertheless, that is um, what the Power Fives plan calls for, you know, one semester of schooling prior to doing any deals. They also have said in their proposal that schools can prevent athletes from entering into deals that violate school standards or that conflict with the school's existing sponsorship deals. When we break that down a little bit, it's interesting because the idea of schools preventing athletes from entering into deals that violate their standards is not something that's that's foreign, right? Even at the professional level, the NBA, the NFL, and other leagues have restrictions on the types of endorsements that their athletes can participate in. And so from that perspective, schools saying, hey, there are certain things that, that you can't endorse or that you can't participate in from a commercialization of your name, image, and likeness perspective makes complete sense. We get that. What is interesting, though, is this idea that a deal cannot conflict with a school's existing sponsorship deals. And so as we all know, schools will have plenty of sponsorship deals in place from beverages to apparel, you know, on down the line. And, and you could rattle off a lot of different sponsorship deals that schools have into place. If this proposal were to be accepted or adopted, obviously that would put, you know, significant restrictions on the types of opportunities that these student athletes might have. They also call for student athletes to be allowed to hire agents and advisors, but those agents and advisors would have to certify with a new certification office that would be part of the Federal Trade Commission. So that is an interesting approach. Uh, again, that would only occur after at least one semester of college. They've also called for all name, image, and likeness licensing and agent agreements to be made public, all right, to make those publicly available. Now, speaking as someone who reviews endorsement deals and, and negotiates the legal terms of endorsement deals and agent agreements with professional athletes, this is something that's very interesting to make them public. In doing so, you know, I'd be interested to see what perspective brands take on this. So if, if you're a brand that is, let's just say you want to have a player's card or a playing card, like a trading card type of agreement with a particular athlete, you know, those are going to be confidential because you may pay one particular player a higher amount than another. And if all of that's public, then obviously there are challenges there in terms of what you are offering to the people that are working with you. And while maybe that is a, a good thing from the broader perspective of transparency, the other challenge is that now you have potentially have brands that aren't going to want to do those deals with college students if they feel that everything is going to be made public. You also could have a situation where you have a college student that could be seen potentially is more valuable than a current pro athlete that brand may have deals with. And so that could cause some challenges there as well. So this particular proposal of making all of these agreements public could be very interesting. Now, for those of you who know me, you know that I primarily come down on the side of the student athlete. And I think that there is significant protections that can occur, you know, when we look at the agent agreements 
uh, being made public because a lot of times athletes aren't aware or don't fully understand you know, what comes with an agent agreement. And so to make sure that an athlete's not taken advantage of, it's important to be able to, to know what those terms are and, and to be able to be advised on, on those terms and if they're, they're normal or not. Finally, um, in the Power Five proposal uh, to Congress, you know, two things that they're looking for, um, similar to what the NCAA has sought out from Congress, is that state name, image, and likeness laws would be preempted by a federal law and that the NCAA conferences and schools would be exempt from lawsuits relating to the enforcement of these name, image, and likeness rules. So that was a lot of information. And really what I wanted to do today was just try to deconflict some information, share with you where things currently stand as it relates to name, image, and likeness. And, and the last thing I'll leave you with, and, and again, we're going to continue, you'll continue to hear me talk more and more about name, image, and likeness. But one of the things that I'll leave you with is just kind of the timeline of where we're at currently. So we've heard these different proposals. We know that, the, uh, that Congress has, has started to have conversation on this topic as well. Um, and so in November, it's believed that around November timeframe, we'll see draft legislation of the rules from the NCAA. And then in January, the NCAA Board of Governors is set to vote on these rules. And we could imagine that prior to Florida's law going into effect July 1st of 2021, that these NCAA rules will go into effect. So by June 30th of 2021, we should see these, these rules go into effect. Now, the impact that, that uh, Congress has on all of this is kind of the wild card uh, to see how they'll act. Obviously, you know we have a presidential election and other things happening at that level. So it's just gonna be interesting to see how all of this plays out from a timing perspective um, but what we do know is that name, image, and likeness is coming, and it's something that athletes, their families, athletic departments are all going to have to be educated on to ensure that these student athletes can maximize their opportunities. And by opportunities, I mean their academic, their athletic, and their commercialization opportunities, while at the same time ensuring that they're protected and they're educated on what's happening around them. So, much, much more to come. Um, this topic is one that I will be speaking much more on and bringing in different experts as we talk about different aspects of name, image, and likeness. But we wanted to set the groundwork and set the foundation for where things stand today. So again, thank you for tuning in. If you're finding value in these podcasts, protecting your possibilities, focusing on how we protect athletes, please do subscribe. Please leave some comments in our comment uh, in the comment box and uh, and continue to tune in and share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. The content of this publication is not intended as legal advice for any purpose, and you should not consider it as such. It does not necessarily reflect the views of the firm as to any particular matter or those of its clients. Please consult an attorney for specific advice regarding your particular situation.